Well, good morning again. So Christmas time is here. Unbelievable, isn't it? Now, now, you know, talking about Christmas time, I actually forgot something in my announcement, so I just will start out with it. Don't forget, we are doing our third annual toy drive, you know, so as we collect these toys, we're collecting them for uh, the children's place over at Home Safe, the orphanage over there off of, land, off of uh, 6th Avenue South, and also for the Lantana Police Department. So what will happen is uh, we've got one more week till next Sunday to come and get them, but then we'll actually turn them in and, and send them over to uh, Home Safe and also give them to the Lantana Police Department where they're going to actually wrap the toys up. And what Lantana Police De Department does is that they're in contact with the local elementary and middle schools so they know families that are in need, and they will actually deliver these Christmas presents to the houses, so they go door to door. You know, there's one thing about Lantana being this small, you know, everyone thinks of Lantana big, it's actually like three by three, like the size of Key West. You know, it's a small town, um, but a lot goes on. So it's our way of giving back, so you can bring a toy next week, or you know the other option, make the pastor have to go shopping. So if you want the pastor to go shopping, by the way, you know I'm just gonna go on Amazon, I have Prime, I'm going to get it within a day or two. Uh, but the same thing, you can just put money in the offering plate, just right on the envelope toy drive, and make the pastor go shopping, you know. Amazon's a rough place to have to shop, but, you know, I guess I'll have to do it. So with that being said, let's start all over. Good morning again. <laughs> so Christmas time is here, and, and you know, I told, as we were leading up into this, I told you, I had read a book called The Christmas Option. And what we do is we really glamorize the Christmas story. We glamorize the things that happen, and we look at all these highlights of it. But I think there's so much more to learn in the Christmas story. And I remember when I was a kid, man, I couldn't wait till Christmas Day. Of course, I was born in South Florida and raised in South Florida, so I wasn't looking for a white Christmas. The only white Christmas we had is if we went to the beach. You know, and you, you saw the sand because there wasn't no snow except for the one time when I was in middle school that it snowed and it melted when it hit the ground. And so we put an air filter outside so we could actually see the snow. And so I can truly say I had to ride my bike to school in the snow, even in South Florida. So, but, but Christmas was this time of, you know, all this joy and excitement. And, and man, I just couldn't wait Christmas morning wake mom up early, come on mom, Santa Claus came, I was all excited, and then as I grew up, that kind of changed a little bit, you know, it was like, oh, it's Christmas, and then you all of a sudden, you know, then you have kids, so it gets exciting again, and then your kids become teenagers, and the, the excitement's gone, you try and get them to help you decorate the house, and it's like, no, it ain't going to happen, you know, and, and then it gets to the point of, well, let me sell you some money, and you can go get your own Christmas present. 
okay? Because honestly, you know, that whole lack, that luster, everything is gone from, from what we had as that childhood. Uh, we, we just, it was amazing, it was magical, and somewhere along the line, we lose it. We lose that magicalness, we, we, we got to deal with, you know, family members, certain family members you really don't want to deal with, and you get them on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're like, oh, can this be over yet? You know, we just dealt with them on Thanksgiving, why is Thanksgiving and Christmas so close? We got to deal with Uncle Bob again. Come on. You know, and, and so we got them people. And, and for some of us, maybe you lost a loved one. And, and losing that loved one, you know, it's like, man, the holidays just aren't going to be the same. There's that thing that's missing. And, and, you know, basically we have this time where maybe we run into some disappointments around the holidays. And, and I think as we look at the actual Christmas story, there's disappointment inside the Christmas story. And, and through this series, we're actually going to go through the entire Christmas story over these four weeks, and we're going to go with it. But, you know, like I was saying, there's disappointments in life are opportunities to worship. There are opportunities to worship. There are opportunities to trust God, and it's our opportunity to encourage others. And, and those are really the three things we're going to look at today, that even with disappointments, we can still worship, we can still trust God, and most importantly, we can encourage others through our own disappointments. And with that being said, many people, many a times we get stuck in our disappointments or, or this pain of life. And as believers, however, we have an opportunity to channel these problems into a bigger purpose. So, so what we may think is crushing us can actually be making us stronger, can actually allow us to use that disappointment as an opportunity to speak truth and speak life into somebody else. You know, we all go through things for a reason. And sometimes as we're going through it, we may be disappointed and we may not see that opportunity, but there's an opportunity coming for us to glorify God, trust Him, and, and help others through the process. So with that being said, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through 38. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. And in the back of the pew is going to be on page 1177. Uh, but don't worry, it is going to be up here on the screen also. So as always, as we give reverence to our God, can I get everyone to please rise for the reading and the hearing of God's word. So Luke chapter 1. Uh, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to, by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, 
How can this be, since I have never had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Praise be to God. Please be seated. So, so as, we, as we look at this, um, we're going, we'll start now with Mary's side of the story, I guess you could say. Um, and one of the things that you actually, I think, we want to see in here is that uh, disappointments are actually that opportunities to worship. And you may be wondering, well, well how, how do you get worship out of this? Well, I think Mary's response was actually kind of surprising. I think we saw the good side of her response. Um, even though, you know, her whole life is being turned upside down, the response we see from her is, I am the Lord's servant. So we see that positive side, and, and Scripture only really gives us this obedient response. But if you notice back at the beginning, she was kind of troubled by what type of greeting was this. So there had to be something more into what she was going into. And I believe there had to be some type of hesitation. I, I think we all go through it, uh, part of our life. You know, when, when something happens, we even though obedience comes, sometimes we may have that but. You know, that, that but always comes in or that slight hesitation. Lord, I, I trust you, but. Lord, I, I trust you and, and I'm going to do it and you hesitate for a second. That obedience is still there, but sometimes there's that question. We, we maybe have to question ourselves, and or even ask that, is this really, are you really talking to me, Lord? Are you sure? And we kind of go through this whole process um, to realizing that this was going to change her entire life. Now, this is a girl probably between the ages of 12 to 14 years old, who's being told that, hey, you're going to give birth basically to the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Messiah, and, and they're going to handle this. And I know you're supposed to be getting married, but that's okay. You got, you're going to be, you're going to have the Son of God. 12 to 14 years old, her response is, I'm the Lord's servant, which kind of tells you where her heart was. It tells you, who she was in the relationship that she had with God. But I still think it was, man, this is going to change her life forever. She's going to be changed, her future, her relational status. Everything about her future has now changed because of the simple angel coming to talk to her. I think she may have actually gone through all five stages of grief. And if you, know, you think about grief, the first is denial. You know, as grief comes in, it's that denial, man, he can't be talking to me. This can't really be happening. Um, I, I don't believe it, but I'm going to trust God through it. But I, I think maybe I had a dream where maybe I saw something. Then it may become anger, uh, then bargaining, depression, and eventually acceptance. Now, I think what we find out with her is with that acceptance, she added something more to it. 
she added her faith. She took that faith that she had in God and, and believed, okay, well, if God, if you're going to do this, and this is what I'm being told, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to be your servant, and I'm going to move forward with it. Um, you know, as I was reading that book, The Christmas Option, it actually had this illustration. Uh, this gentleman was expecting a, a chef's knife from his parents for Christmas. You know, he, he'd been going to school, he, he became a chef, and he wanted this specific knife. So when he goes to his parents for Christmas, he gets there, and he, he gets this package. It's just the right size, and, and he opens it up, and it's a Compassion International box. And going through his mind is, no, they didn't. Did my parents really, for Christmas, sponsor a child in my name? This is my Christmas gift, and he, was, he had this expectation of this chef's knife. Well, then he kind of realized that, you know, he had this selfishness inside of him, when he realized that the chef's knife was actually in the box. So he opened up the box, he got his knife out of it, and he was happy, but then he felt bad because, man, I can't believe this. I, I was taking this compassion thing as a bad thing. So he actually, when he went home, he actually reached out to Compassion International and actually to help get rid of that selfishness, he, he actually sponsored a child. Because God convicted him in that moment that, you know, you were so worried about this knife thinking you didn't get what you wanted in life, but there's others that don't get what they want in life. So he turned around and he said it really helped him with his selfishness in his heart uh, to be able to do what he was called to do instead of just worrying about himself. And I think, you know, when, when we even look at this, um, we don't always feel like worshiping when we're disappointed. We, we don't feel like we're going to want to worship. We just, you know, kind of want to be by ourselves. Um, but I think this worship is a hidden option with believers. I think we get this opportunity to worship. And, and even as you look through the scripture, down past it, starting in verse uh, 46 through 55, it's actually called Mary's song. Mary actually worships God. When it's said and done, after all of this happens, through what may be disappointment, through what may be questions in her own life, she worships God through song and praise. And we have that ability to do the same thing. When disappointments come our way, we have that ability to worship. And I know some of you in this room, that worship music is what drives you. I've had conversations where people say, you, you know, Pastor, when, when I'm down, I just crank up my worship music, and, and I just worship the Lord, and, and, you know, people next to me on 95 think I'm crazy because I'm two hands up, and, and good thing we're stopped in traffic at the time, you know, but I got both hands raised in the air like I just don't care, and, and just sitting there, and I'm worshiping God even through disappointment. You know, and, and there is something about at the end of a day of work, when you have a disappointing day at work, just worshiping God, just taking that time to just crank up that worship music or whatever it may be, or taking that time to, hey, you know what? I'm having a bad day. Let me open up God's word. Let me read the book of Job because I know he had a worse day than I had. But we get that chance to worship God in all that we do. And, and I think it gives us not only can we worship God with our words, we can worship him through giving others, through worshiping and music, and even to love the unlovable. 
you know, to do what he called us to do. We can worship God to, hey, you know what, my boss really gave it to me today, but you know what, I'm going to love my, I'm going to love on my boss because that's what I'm told to do. You know, God's word tells us to love our enemies. Nothing is easy about loving your enemies, but remember, that is worship, and that is part of what worship does. So even when you're having a bad day, you know, just act like you work at Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure. Tell your boss it's my pleasure, and I'm good to go, okay? And your boss will look at you like you're kind of crazy, and in your mind you can be thinking, well, at least I'm practicing for my next job when I retire. That's what I tell Patty all the time when she says something. I say, it's my pleasure. I told her I'm working on my retirement job. Someday, I'm not going to be a Walmart greeter. I'm going to be a Chick-fil-A customer. It's my pleasure. Anyways, <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> so, so as we look at that, so, so uh, disappointments are opportunities to worship. Now, the second thing as we take time, we're going to dig into Joseph in this story. I think we're going to see that disappointments are opportunities to trust. And that's exactly what Joseph does. So for Joseph, we're actually going to be reading out of Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Um, and it reads like this. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that has, uh, what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now this will, uh, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Think about this. All the men in the house, you're engaged. You're engaged to get married, and, and now your fiancé comes up and says, I'm pregnant, and you're not the daddy. Can you, ima can you imagine the disappointment? I know some of you in this room be, I'm done. I'm not going to be like Joseph. I'm not going to be this righteous man. You're done. You're out. See ya. Adios. Hope he takes care of the baby. I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's not mine. Bye. Think about the disappointment in Joseph. It, it talks about he had this righteous life. He was doing what was right. He was living a good life. He was to be married and understand marriage back in biblical times, you know, they were engaged to be married, and it says give her a divorce because back in biblical times when you were arranged in a marriage, it's like you were already married, even before the wedding day. So you were actually already like married and it required divorce papers to actually get a divorce from someone in that case. 
And, and you could see that he was a righteous man. Hey, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just going to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. I'll do it behind the scenes. I don't want to make a big mess of this. I don't want to ruin her life. It's already kind of ruined anyways because she's pregnant and it's not my child. Um, and, and to him, it had to be just unbelievable. What, are you kidding me? And then this news comes along and just derailed him. So much for right, my righteous marriage. So much for everything I've done in my life. God, why me? Anyone ever been there? God, why me? Well, sometimes I don't want it to be me. <laughs> and understand, he had every right to feel the way he felt. He had every right to do it. And, and even after the angel appeared to Joseph and, and told him it was God's plan, it didn't change the reality of what the outside world was going to say. You think about what his friends, his family, everyone else going to say. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, I'm still marrying Mary, and she's pregnant, and it's not my child. Can you imagine the looks he got? You're what? Are you crazy? You're still going to marry her, and she's with child, and it's not yours. So she's no longer a virgin. She's no And everything you wanted in your life is now gone, but you're going to stay with her? Trusting in God. He trusted in God's plan. He trusted in what God was calling him to do. And, and even though, you know, people may laugh at our good intentions, sometimes our good intentions are the best things we can do. And, and he continued to go on. Circumstances can easily get out of control. It may feel all crazy. But during that point, having that trust in God, doing what God's called you to do means a difference. And it makes a difference in the world. It makes a difference in what you're going through. And even the attitude that you may have as you're going through something. <clears throat> you, you think about, you know, that we, we got to rely on God. And, you know, I think about this whole Christmas time. You ever notice Christmas never brings financial blessing, it brings financial stress? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You get a Christmas list, this is what I'm going to buy. I got a budget, I'm going to stay on this budget. Oh, look at this pretty, oh, shit, Patty would like this. No, I'm staying on my budget. Ooh, but what about this? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And then you end up going over budget and you buy that thing, and now it becomes stressful because now you got to make the payment. And you're like, oh, well, I'll just make a minimum, and then you get the interest charges, and it just continues to grow, and now you get all this stress about you. I want to give you a little secret here. There is nothing wrong with sometimes saying, I can't buy that. Because the reality is, especially if you've got kids, they're going to like the box more than the toy anyways, especially little kids. And then older kids are going to break it. It's going to be broken in a week, or they're going to be bored with it in a week. You know, you're better off just make it simple. And let me tell you, a simple gift generally means more than anything. I can tell you, if I actually bought a card with nothing in the card and actually hand-wrote it, Patty would appreciate that more than anything else I could give her, which is amazing. I'm like, what? Wow, I just got to spend like 50 cents on a card? 
dollar store. Okay, maybe a dollar. <laughs> but, and, and just write my feelings inside of it. That would mean more to her than any jewelry, anything else I could get her besides a puppy. You know, puppies out do everything. But the reality is simple as so, I mean, we can do simple, and it means so much more than these extravagant gifts. But what do we do? We go get the extravagant, oh, ooh, that's pretty, it's shiny. So we end up getting it. You know, it's kind of like, it's a new car. How long does a new car smell last? Not long. Uh, unless you get the air freshener, that still don't smell like new car. But, but we, we, we go over our budget, we go over, and then we build all this stress on us, then we get all this disappointment, and then we're just like, this is crazy. We don't need to go through all that. We don't need to have those disappointments that we bring onto our own lives. You know, trust in God and what he's going to do and, and continue to go forward. Realize even like this, Joseph might have felt like the, his progress toward a godly marriage was over, and from an outsider's perspective, it was. But for him, it wasn't. He was obedient to what God called him to do. And, and he continued with his faithfulness and his righteousness and doing what God actually called him to do. And, and I think that when we trust God with the plan for our life, it helps to relieve some of that stress. It helps us to be able to just take those disappointments and use them just to trust God. Trust God through that process. Trust God. In, and all of us have probably been there at some point or the other. It is so easy, and as much as I, I hate to say the word, it's easy to do it, but when we're in the valley, when we're in the lower lows, man, it's easy to trust God, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, it's, God, I need you. I can't do nothing. And we start praying, we start worshiping, we start doing all of these things, and then he brings us up out of that valley. But then we get to the mountaintop, and what do we do? Woohoo! And we forget about who got us there. We need to trust him the same in the valleys and on the mountaintops and continue to trust him through our disappointments and as they become opportunities to glorify him, to worship him, and to trust him, Continue to do it through the entire process. Now, the last thing we're going to see here today is disappointments or opportunities to encourage others. So we're going to take and we're going to dig farther into Luke chapter 1 um, and look at as Mary visits Elizabeth. So it's verses 39 through 45, and it says this. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. So, so as you take time and you read this story and you see, you know, Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth, uh, the reality is this probably happened pretty quickly. Because if you look at the, the 
distance of travel and, and the terrain of the travel to, to go from where Mary was to where Elizabeth was, it had to happen early in the pregnancy. It, it couldn't have been when she was like full-blown pregnant. Uh, it couldn't have really been for her. You know, many people think, oh, she went into hiding. Oh, she's pregnant. You know, just like back in the day, if, if someone in high school got pregnant, they moved them out of state to some other family member's house. Um, you know, kind of like she left to get away from the shame. She actually went to visit and, and understand that through this, both of these ladies had a miracle. Elizabeth was old in age and got pregnant. Mary'd never been with a man, got pregnant. Both of these were miracles in the making. And both of them had an opportunity to lift each other up. They had this opportunity to serve each other. They they had this opportunity to encourage each other through what they were going through. So they take this time and, and they actually spend time with encouraging each other. Both of them are encouraged by each other. And, and you know, it's kind of like I think about, you know, we see it generally once every four years, maybe every couple years. Um, you see where two presidents or two former presidents end up on a stage together and, and how cordial they may be to each other and, and they walk over and they shake each other's hands, maybe give each other a hug. And, and meanwhile, you know, when they went against each other, they were talking smack. They were talking real bad about each other. They may not agree politically with each other. But there's something about when they come together after they were presidents, because realizing that what they did, very few people ever do. So that commonality actually brings them together with an understanding of what each other went through. All the other didn't matter. You know, it was that common ground that brings them together. And we need to be able to use that same common ground to bring us together with others. Um, very few people can relate to what a president goes through except another president. Some worse than others, but they can relate to each other. And and I think with that whole thing, when it comes to us, is that disappointments can become opportunities to relate with someone in a way common to other people. Because each one of us has our own story. Each one of us has been through something that someone else may not have been through. But God can use that moment when all of a sudden that person comes into your life and you're like, boom, man, I did that same thing. That's one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery, you know, comes together and it's that hurts, hangups, and habits. And you get people who come in there and, and they're like, yeah, hey, I'm Ken, I'm an alcoholic. I can't, yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have known that was going to happen. So, so then all of a sudden, well, might as well stay over here. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> so now John, all of a sudden, I find out, guess what? John was an alcoholic too. And hey, guess what? We like the same three people, Jim, Jack, and Jose. We like the three J's. So, so we got something in common here, and, and He's been in recovery for a long time, so guess what? He can now help me. Or maybe it's that drug addict, man, I, I, dude, I just can't get off it. 
and all of a sudden I come over here and, and maybe it's Mike, dude, I was right there with you. Dude, I was doing you $1,000 a crack every day. And look at me now. You know, and man, you, you're able to have that common ground to help somebody out. Yeah, maybe you've been through a divorce, and you know we see a lot in divorce care ministry where people come in, and all of a sudden you're able to have that conversation with someone who's who's been through a divorce, and hey, guess what? I've been right there with you. Here, let me help you through this process. Going through grief share, if you're going through some type of grief, and you get involved in a grief share ministry, you're dealing with people who have guess what? Dealt with the same thing, and you may be surprised at how it all works out. We've had grief share in the past where almost everyone in there lost a spouse. And you're like, that's crazy. The next time we do it, everyone in there lost a child. And you're like, only God can put this together. It's amazing how God works it out and brings people with the same common disappointment into the same place to give them an opportunity to help each other and to embrace each other and have that ability to actually lift each other up. And, and only God can do that. And, and he allows us <clears throat> to be able to do that. He allows us to take our setbacks and help someone else move forward. He allows us to take our disappointments and lift somebody else up. So instead of getting caught in them disappointments and that, oh, woe is me kind of mentality, we need to look at what can we do. You know, start out by worshiping God. That's what Mary did. Mary wrote a song and praised God. Praised God through everything she was going through. Joseph, who had every right to kick Mary to the curb, trusted God and continued to move forward. Then we even see with Mary and Elizabeth together, they were able to encourage each other. Every single one of us have that same opportunity every single day. The discouragements in our life don't need to be what's plastered on our forehead. Yeah, we all tend to live by our past and, oh, that's who I was. Guess what? You're right. That's who you were. God has created you to be somebody new. We need to be who God actually called us to be. Trust him in our situations Use them as opportunities to grow bigger, stronger, and faster for the glory of Him. Instead of doing, oh, woe is me. Because way too many people, especially in today's society, get caught up in that victim mentality. Oh, it's, I, I've tried everything. No, you haven't. Have you, you know, and I hate to say it, have you buckled up your bootstraps? And Patty hates that saying, by the way. Pull up, just pull up your bootstraps. But... You know, it, 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 there's a time when it amazes me where people will come up and say, oh, I, 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 no one's helping me. Okay, well, have you done this? No. Have you done this? No. Have you done this? No. Okay, what are you doing to help yourself? Instead, they get caught in that disappointment, playing the victim, instead of saying, hey, this is an opportunity to be, to be better. This is an opportunity to worship God, and through my worship, I'm going to get out of that disappointment. I'm going to be able to trust him that his plan is bigger than mine. He's got a way. I just need to open my ears and listen to what he calls me to do. And then take that time and say, hey, you know what? I got this person who's been through exactly what I've been through, and they can help me get to the right places. And one of the things that we do on our brown box is 
we have Amanda comes out. So if anyone comes in and, and they need help with it, whether it's uh, being re like a registered homeless or need help with you know, applying food stamps or whatever it is, Amanda actually brings her laptop in there to help out those who are in need, who may be able to come in there that she takes her time to help them out. That's what we're called to do. Help others out. Take your disappointment and make it an opportunity. Because that's exactly what they are. Disappointments are opportunities to do what God called us to do. Now, it all starts, of course, if we're going to do what God called us to do, it starts with that relationship, right? You got to have a relationship with Jesus to actually do what he calls you to do. And that relationship starts by simply making Jesus the Lord of your life. And you may be saying, well, Pastor, you don't know me. I don't need to know you. Reality is, he knows you. And you may, man, you don't, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I did this morning before I came to church. Guess what? He does. And you're still here. Whether you're here in the room or join us for church online, you're still here. Or even if you're watching this video at a later date, and just so you know, guess what? You didn't catch on fire. The building didn't catch on fire and fall down. You know, those great excuses, and I love them. Oh, if I go to church, it's going to catch on fire. Well, I ain't seen it yet. Come on, I want to see that happen. I want to see someone come through the door and just boom. I think it'll be pretty cool. We might even have to video it. Yeah, it may get a whole bunch of YouTube looks. But the reality is God knows you right to where you are. He, he knows what you've been through. You know, it's kind of like Santa Claus. He knows if you've been bad or good. Well, guess what? So does God. He knows exactly what you've done, when you did it, and he can actually tell you to the precise second what time you did it. But here's the reality. He loves you. He loved you enough to send his son to die on a cross for you. It says the wage of sin is death. All of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So the person sitting next to you that may think they're righteous in church, guess what? They're a sinner just like you. So you can look at the person next to you and go, oh, you're a sinner? Guess what? <laughs> so are you. It's like looking in a mirror. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But, but God's word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. And that sounds so simple, don't it? And that's what makes it so hard for people to do. Like, no way. That's all I got to do. I, I've got to accept Jesus as the Lord over my life and believe that God raised him from the dead in my heart and I'll be saved. Yes. That's all it takes. There's not a special handshake. There's not a dance you got to do. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's about accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, remember, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that means he is the primary. What you go through, he lords over your life. He is like your master. You're listening to him. You're digging into his word. You're doing what he calls you to do. And then guess what? That thing that you did before you came to church today, he's going to point it out to you. And then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like, man, that's a sin. I need to stop it. And, and sometimes I'm here to tell you, God can make it happen like that. Most of the time, it's a process. It's a process because we continue to sin. Satan knows what our sin nature is. 
He's going to give us that same sin over and over again. And guess what? He ain't even going to package it different. It's coming the same way it's always come. And the worst thing is we see it coming, and then what do we do? Oh, we're like, don't go to the light. Oh, I'm going to the light. We, we go to that sin because it brings that satisfaction for that long. And then what do we, oh, I can't believe I did that again. So, so when you make Jesus as the Lord of your life, you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he starts to change you from the inside out. And that sanctification process is a lifelong process. And don't worry, none of us will ever be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. Now, we do get closer, but none of us will ever be perfect until we meet him face to face. You know, we're, we're born sinners. We're going to remain sinners until we, the day we meet Jesus. The difference is our sin itself will change over time. That big sin that a lot of people in here who went through recovery, man, I know what my sin was. Whew, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. Now I just lie. I actually got called out on Thursday night. I told someone, I said, yeah, I ate a strawberry, so it was healthy. And then they said, but it had chocolate on it. <laughs> I said, yeah, but the strawberry was, ha was healthy. So I got called out. Well, you know, the half-truth is still a lie. <laughs> I said, but I ate a strawberry. I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, I got called out for even a half-truth. You know, so we had time to chuckle about it. So then when he ate one, I said, oh, I see you had a strawberry too, you know, so, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I regress. So, so <laughs> it starts with that relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, allow it to start today. The, the realization that every one of us is messed up, every one of us is jacked up, but every one of us is loved. We are loved by God who sent his son to die on the cross for us. So as we enter this Christmas season, it's all about celebrating the birth of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord and Savior. And trust me, as you can see through today's scripture, it doesn't come without disappointments. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. Life is involved in it. Life is involved in our relationship with Jesus each and every day, and it takes work. And, and maybe you're here today, and man, some of these disappointments, you find it hard to worship. You find it hard to trust God, or you find it hard to actually encourage others through it. I want to encourage you, don't leave here today with that discouragement. Take that discouragement and turn it into an opportunity. Make a plan to do something different in someone's life when you leave here today. Like I always say, it's not about the hour and 15 minutes we're in here. It's about the rest of the week out there. It's about what we do in the world, in our homes, in our workplace, in our total environments, wherever we're at, we're called to be the salt and the light of this world. Christmas is a time when people start to ask questions. Be willing to have those conversations with people. Be willing to say, hey, you know what? I don't know all the answers, but you know what? Here, come to church with me. We're doing a series called The Christmas Option, so it ain't all the glamour that everyone always sees. We're going to get into the dirt of Christmas because there is nothing about the Christmas story that's romantic. There's nothing in the Christmas story that would make me go, ooh, I wish I was there. 
I kind of like where I'm at in today's world. I wouldn't have wanted to be there. But I do want to be in heaven in the end. And that all starts with that relationship with Jesus. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that even through your word that, you know, so many times things are glamorized or, or scripture gets twisted into a way that doesn't make sense, Lord, but that, that it, it was real. These, what we read in your word was real people. They lived real lives. Lord, they, and sometimes even in our own life, we, we kind of write about the good stuff. But Lord, every one of us faces disappointments. Every one of us faces those times when, when life just hits us in the gut. Or a situation just, it doesn't go the way we planned it. Lord, allow us to see you in those times. Allow us to take those disappointments in our life and allow them to become them opportunities. Those opportunities to worship you for who you are. Those opportunities to be able to trust you in the plan that you have for each of our lives. And Lord, especially that ability to encourage others. As others are going through things that we've already gone through, that we can come alongside them and show your goodness and your love and your faithfulness that you would speak to us and through us into other people's lives that we can affect that change. And Lord, my prayer is if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that they would make that move today and at the end of service they'd come and see me in the back of the sanctuary or, or come up front and we'll have some prayer partners in, up here that can pray with them and for them and and Lord, if there's anyone going through, going through this disappointing phase in their life right now, Lord, may you show them the opportunities that they have in it. And Lord, that you're not done. Mm -hmm. You're not done with any of us. And Lord, that you will open our eyes to see what it is you want us to see. And that you will be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.